Drunk Dietitians is co-hosted by your favorite tipsy registered dietitians, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. These dietitian besties can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Their mission is for all humans to believe that they were made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. They are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although these ladies are medical professionals, they are human too. They are not afraid to share their deepest, darkest secrets and how years of their lives were taken by diet culture. They started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So grab your favorite cocktail and join Sammy and Jenna for a casual happy hour and expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Cheers. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Today, this was our first, or no, second, second family member episode. Yes. So we had- First on your side though. Yes, that's true. So we had your mama on, well, she was one of our like first, first ones, but today we had my cousin Derek Shell on here, um, who just happened to be the first ever, um, NCAA division two basketball player to come out as gay. And he has done some amazing speaking events all over Nike. He had worked with Nike on a panel for their hashtag be true. Um, movement and he's just he's so well spoken he's so modest i mean he's like a force to be reckoned with but he's so modest and the way he speaks and he shared his story or part of his story today um and it was just so inspiring and i've been obsessed with derek he just didn't know that for a long time (laughs) but i think that just being able to hear his story and the way that he talks about the the struggles that he's been through, but also that he recognizes within his community um, was just so beautiful and so eye-opening. Yeah. So of course he shares his coming out story and kind of the different phases, but then this conversation definitely takes like a deep dive into the prevalence of eating disorder and body image issues um, or struggles. Well, obviously with everyone, but more specifically um, in the gay and transgender and bisexual communities. And we were just, you know, so, so fortunate to have Derek on this podcast. And as Jenna and I have said in the past, like want to continue to make this an inclusive platform. Um, So we'll definitely be having voices from all over and from, you know, representing all different kinds of people to be able to come on here and just share their story. It was so good. You guys are going to enjoy this one and I'm excited to hear what you all think. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Um, Today you have a pregnant co-host who's not drinking (laughs) and another one who is pretty much just hung over after two glasses of sangria. Um, And then our our amazing guest today, it's like 10 a.m. his time, so we're not going to make him crack a beer. But we are happy um, to announce that our guest today is Derek Shell, who just happens to be my cousin. So thank you, Derek. My hot cousin, as Jenna would say. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. Cheers. Mocktails cheers. all around. Yes. Cheers Roy, to cheers. <laughs> Awesome. So well, we, oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, before we get into all of the things that we just discussed for a couple minutes that we're so excited to dive into, I'm going to get right into the this or that. So coffee or tea? Ooh, coffee. Far too much coffee, too. <laughs> wine or beer? Uh, wine. Okay, Sammy threw in a little um, mixer here, vodka, tequila, or whiskey. Tequila out of blows everything out of the Don't water. you also love how she left out that she also had tequila last night? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> By the forgot. way. Sorry, guys. <laughs> sand or snow? Uh, sand. Yeah, but you're like in the snow capital. I know. I don't think I'm <laughs> in the right place for that answer. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Netflix and chill kind of night or night out on the town? Uh, night out. Oh, I think you might be our I first. I think you're our first <laughs> one. Everybody's like, I just like to sleep. I think it's just being just sick of quarantine and wanting to go out. Exactly. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs, because I have one. Yay, what kind? Uh, golden doodle, auto. 
I have like a little doodle mutt running around here somewhere, but I'm not going to call him over because I want him to be quiet today. <laughs> um, <laughs> crunchy or soft shell tacos. Oh, that's a good one. Right. This crunchy. is a, a wrench from Sammy. Crunchy. Yeah, All crunchy. right. This leads right into crunchy or smooth peanut butter. Oh my gosh. My fiance would kill me. He loves peanut butter so much. I like crunchy and he likes smooth. Ah. Yes, Ryan and I have the same. So okay. I'm me smooth. and the cousin. Yes. <laughs> now, oh. last question. If you could have one thing in limitless quantities that can't be money, what would it be? Rolls of sushi. Oh, what kind? I, I do not discriminate. It's not really <laughs> a problem. It's, I think it's the one thing I can eat in absolute excess without oh. getting sick or anything. I love that. We all need that type of food in our yes. lives. That's <laughs> At the moment, mine are peanut butter stuffed pretzels. Like I go through Ugh. bags a day. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Those are amazing. Those are amazing. Um, well, gr- that's a great rapid fire. And now I'm, I'm definitely getting hungry. I didn't eat lunch before this. So I'm excited for that to come. <laughs> But I, I definitely failed to give you a proper introduction. I just called you my cousin, but there's so much more to you, obviously, Derek. And for our <laughs> listeners, um, <laughs> he was the first openly gay NCAA Division II basketball player. Um, and I think, you know, on our podcast, Jenna and I have openly kind of stated this before, but happy to say it over and over that we've made mistakes in the past. We're going to continue to make mistakes as practitioners, but we want this to be an inclusive platform for everybody. And so you are um, the first gay person to come on our podcast, which that is a badge (laughs) of honor. Um, But we we want to really just open up this conversation and also kind of see where it twists and turns and takes into potentially, you know, disordered eating behaviors or body image. But before we even get there, we would love to just create space for you, Derek, to just share your story of coming out. And I'm like so excited for this because like, I obviously know your story, but like, I feel like I'm still going to learn so much today um, as well. So yeah. Gosh, keeping this story short. You don't have to keep it short. No, 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 it's totally fine. Um, Yeah, no, appreciate that introduction. I think the biggest thing when I think of like my story is like, it's a story in two parts. Um, The first one is like high school. Well, like middle school, high school, when you're like, no one knows who the hell they are and you're trying to figure everything out. And I think mine was amplified by like, the picture perfect family kind of situation. Like both my parents were coaches, didn't have, I mean, Sam, you know this, don't have a divorce in the family, don't have any, like every cousin I have, every aunt, uncle, just like super productive, great, um, you know, successful people, great athletes. Um, And I think that kind of trickled down to me where I was dealing with two things at the same time where I like knew I was different and didn't like the same things that like my guy friends did. And I was like, video games are stupid. And like football isn't as fun as I'm acting like it is. And, but having kind of these pressures to, um, you know, fit in with the rest of the family um, and my friends. And it just turned out I was really like good at those things like sports. So I like to call it, I, I basically just overachieved to kind of distract people from, even asking the questions of like, Derek, why don't you have a girlfriend? Or Derek, why don't, you know, all of these things. And um, it was, it was a tough time where I was just overachieving. I was the best student. I was good at a lot of different sports. Um, And honestly, when I went to college, I thought all of the like, confusion about why do I find this person who's a male attractive um I thought that would all kind of go away I thought it was kind of just a phase um I happened to as I start phase two of this story I happened to go to the most conservative college in the nation uh to play basketball so that's why I think my story is very unique because I basically threw myself into like the worst scenario possible for someone who's struggling with their sexuality not only could I not like obviously act on anything um but I was a college athlete who had other things to think about and be a good college basketball player. Um, and the exact opposite happened. I think being thrown into that environment, I was kind of like, yep, I get it. I am not straight. I need to do this. And I think the ultimate question was just, what do you want the rest of your life to look like, Derek? I mean, 
depression and anxiety in high school was rampant. Um, and it was kind of like, you have a choice to make now. I saw too many people who were coming out in their forties or fifties, or maybe not even not at all. Um, so I decided to, to come out and maybe change some minds and, and kind of help past me right so as a kid like if i could help someone who was me when i was 14 15 16 i wanted to do it so i penned this coming out article that kind of like i'll say set my world on fire i won't say set the world on fire because no one knows who the hell i am but not true, um not it did in a, i definitely do <laughs> it did in a little ways um because it was at the most conservative college they really tried to dim the article they didn't even want me to publish it but it kind of like took off. And with that, a couple things happened. One, I realized just how many people were exactly like me out there who maybe were like in a church setting who felt that they couldn't come out, who were maybe very athletic, who felt like they couldn't come out, who didn't fit into stereotypical boxes of someone who could easily come out. And then the other thing I realized was just I started to get a little bit of like a following, not like a following of like, I'm cool and I'm a celebrity, but <laughs> people who were now following my life and wanting to know what I'm going to do with it. And now with this new voice. And so um, you follow that into phase three of my life, which is, you know, went through college, met so many cool people. Then I got to do all of these amazing opportunities like public speaking um, for Nike, the NCAA um, kind of being that like conservative athlete college voice, how did you go through that? Um, all the way until like living in the exact opposite environment, moving to New York City and just living this big old fabulous fun gay life that I did for a little bit. So um, I think that's the best way I can summarize it, but it made me have a really unique perspective, not only on things like um, conservative environments, super liberal environments, but how all of that kind of ties together when you're talking about athletics, sexuality, bodies, um, mental health is a huge one. So I think it, it just kind of gave me this really well-rounded background. And while I probably wouldn't choose to go to that college again, um, I'm so glad for each one of those like phases that I was able to go through. Are you a TED Talk speaker? That's like my dream job. So I how mean, do you read my mind? How do we get you to, how can we help you become one? Because yeah. your story is so inspiring. <laughs> I want to know every single detail. I want to read a book on you. Like I want all of this. And I think so many people would agree. I'm, I'm so, speaking for so many people right now. <laughs> am I hiring you as my publicist now? That's I mean, cool. I will help you find one. <laughs> I would, I would love to hear because I mean, for me, it's so, it's such, it's so interesting because I'm so close to you, Derek, and grew up with you. And so hearing your, your time where you kind of talk about phase one or part one in high school and suffering with like depression and anxiety, um, did you like, was that something you ever confronted or was it like you pushed it down and over-functioned to get through it? Or like, was that something you had ever talked to your parents about or like, or did like, did you connect that all or how did that look? Not at the time, but I think that's what made me so hyper aware and able to talk about these things now because I realize now how important it is to, again, what you said, confront it versus just overperform. I think mm -hmm. everyone does that in a lot of ways. Like we all have our vices. It's like, could be a glass of wine, could be just like overperforming, being the best at something to just be kind of like a distraction to everything else. and. I think it's funny because a lot of people say now, like in my life, um, that I have changed or I'm so different. And it's funny because I find that to be kind of a compliment because it feels like to me, it's like I'm finally liking what I like, developing the habits that I always wish I would have, saying the things I wish I would have said and like treating myself the way I wish I would have treated myself back then when it was just like, keep it all below this surface level and you'll be solid. So no, I definitely didn't do it during the time. But again, I don't think if I would have done it then that the rest of those like phases would have happened, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you made me think of, I put this up the other day. It was actually from the Almost 30 podcast where they were, had Glennon Doyle, the author of Untamed on there, but they were saying um, as we continue to grow and evolve and come into ourselves, sometime, 
Sometimes society and our friends and family may see it as moving further away from ourselves. It is okay if you are moving away from that older version of you, you are allowed to grow. Um, and I just think that's so true. And I know like Jenna and I relate to that from a sense of like being diet culture dietitians and now being these like <laughs> inclusive, intuitive eating, health at every size, body positivity, like people will look at us and be like, are you like, are you okay? Or like, what is this? Or what is this messaging? And obviously that's just like, that's just yeah. an example that I think of, but I think the same thing goes for you is like, of course we're changing and growing and evolving. And I would hate to be in a world that we weren't. I think one of the, I always love that quote and I'm totally going to butcher it, but it's about like one of the responsibilities you have in, as an adult is like unlearning things from your past. And I think that's what I did that whole time. And obviously what you guys have done as dietitians was just like, when people say I've changed, I was like, no, that just like, wasn't fully me back then. Like, I didn't just like dance around and sing show tunes because I was scared of doing that. Like, but I do that all the time now. And I love that. Um, and I think that's obviously adding to like just quality of life and, and, and self-esteem and all of those things. But I think that that piece of part of being an adult and as you grow and learn, the reason why people in like 40s feel like they have it all figured out is because they've like peeled back these layers and been like, why do I do that? Or like, where, where did I start doing that? And I think a lot of it is like way earlier than we ever realize in our lives. Yeah. Internalized trauma, like, you know, childhood stuff, like you said, things that we pick up from our parents or, you know, or society or media. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I would love to hear from you just because I know before we started recording, we were all kind of chatting about the prevalence of eating disorder and disordered eating behaviors in the gay community and transgender community. So I would love to hear from you kind of just like how your relationship you can go any way you want with this, your relationship with food, your relationship with your body throughout these phases of your story. Like how did you see, did you see any changes in that or what does that look like? Gosh, I could talk about this for hours. Um, yeah, we, we're gonna have to have a part two to this. Um, I think, I think, very simply put, I was a very lucky kid who was just so freaking active, and like my metabolism, like it, the amount of like pizza rolls and bagel bites and like juice boxes I had as a kid, and like I never thought about it. Like it was never a thing. I was just so active, and again, it's like you realize how many things as you grow up are learned like behaviors it's like as a kid you're not sitting there being like oh this kid who's seven like has abs and I don't like you're not thinking about that mm -hmm. so I think the biggest thing was I didn't even think about it honestly in high school at all in college maybe a little bit more because I was coming to terms with my sexuality and like obviously wanting to feel attractive and everything in terms of food I'll be totally honest body probably started in college food wasn't until a couple years ago because when I was still playing college basketball, um, I, I mean, it was like practicing for like three hours a day. I could still kind of eat whatever I wanted and, and burn it off and um, still, still look the way I wanted. But now it's becoming, I think, as I'm getting older of like, you realize just what behaviors you're actually creating within yourself that are just so absolutely obsessive about being perfect and are really unhealthy and and i think i've realized that like i've only dealt with it for a very short period of time while others may have dealt with this like maybe they weren't an athlete in college and maybe they didn't have that ability to just metabolize like that so with body i think it's it's gotten more prevalent since i come out but i think with food it's really starting to be like oh this is where it starts like before the body piece and and realizing how they're tied together so much in the last couple of years I think that's so common in athletes in general, that transition out of sport. We talked about that a little bit with Victoria Garrick too, that that pressure is, is really difficult. For you, did you find the pressure in school when you came out being a part of the team? Did anything change for you in that scenario? In terms of my body? Body and just like feelings and just the way you were treated. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> had an interesting experience for that last year of college once I was out. Um, I think it was just more hyper aware of how people perceived me and mm. what I was filtering into the world and what I was not, what I was hiding, what I was not. 
Um, but I think the, the biggest piece, you know, again, like you said, post-athlete after college was, was you lose that identity of, mm. of athlete. And then it's like, okay, who are you there? Like, what do you stand for? What do you believe in? Why do you believe it? Um, and I think a lot of that came down to you see what your priorities are. Once, once sports are behind you, you're like, cool, what do you do with your free time? Okay, if that's work out for two hours a day, let's unpack that. Like, what are you <laughs> trying to do? Why are you doing it? And I think that's when I started to realize. And again, it's so funny because this all aligned at the time where like Sammy started working and I started following her work and then just becoming kind of, I, I wouldn't say obsessed with the study of it all, but to really, again, leave things under the surface, I was like, no, I want to pull that one up. And why am I so obsessed with this? Like, why do I feel like a piece of garbage if I don't, don't go work out like for the day? And a lot of it is this tie between food, body, my sexuality. And like there, again, so many different topics to unpack there. But I think just generally the biggest realization was like, this is a circle and they're all connected. There's not one thing that does not overlap with the other. Hmm. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, it's a different rela- a relationship with fitness, a relationship with food, a relationship with your body. Like those are all separate relationships, but they are so intertwined. And I think it's a great way you put it of looking at like, okay, when do I want to pull this one out and like look under a microscope and, and be curious of why it is that way. Um, and I know you and I have had conversations, you know, about your relationship with food previously and just different behaviors and, and then, and, and you, then you'd share with me if there were coworkers that, you know, would be like, I'm, I can't eat pizza. And you'd be like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> like pizza. Um, and, and then you're so, once you're aware of it, then you're so much more aware of it and those around you as well. Yeah. But I think you too, I mean, after my athletic days, I, I did the things like that. Like really? I, I, I was like paleo for like, <laughs> and like, I, I, you would like text me I, nutrition questions and I'd be like, no, no. Like, you're not doing this. That's why I just laugh about this time that we had together where I was just like, yeah, I'm doing all the right things. But like, yeah, I was paleo for a month and I like looked great, felt like shit and like didn't really live my life. So mm-hmm. I think again, it, it kind of goes with the story of my coming out or my life where it's like all these things I wouldn't do again, but I'm glad I did them because now I'm like, holy, like, what the hell was I doing? Um, especially when it comes to food and just realizing just how, how much that was in one of those untone, unturned stones in my life of like not really even thinking about it until now and how it relates to body image and mental health too. Yeah. So I feel like this is such a loaded question and I know you said, (laughs) well, no, I I know you said earlier, like, you're like, I'm not here to represent the entire LGBTQ community, which we understand, but like with your experience in it, um, before you were engaged, let's say if you were on apps or, you know, Mm. whatever the dating scene was like, like if you can just kind of, you know, peek open or like pull open that window for us, like, what is it like? Or what do you, what did you see with this whole body image topic in the gay community? Oh my gosh. So, so dangerous and so prevalent. I would say, yeah, to, to hit on what I said before, I mean, like my experience is, is as a white privileged gay man, like recognizing that first and foremost, and I will not be speaking for the entire LGBTQ community because there is such different nuances to each piece of that and obviously it lives on a spectrum um and there are so many more um different lived experiences mine in terms of you know dating apps and all that is there's so many things that um i will say comparing to like the the straight experience just makes it so much more prevalent in my community i won't say my community i don't know the community but our community (laughs) of of gay men is just um I mean, so many eating disorder behaviors. And I think we, we as gay people, um, <laughs> I hate saying that. I feel like I sound like I'm representing everyone, but no. we experience so much isolation, bullying, harassment, inability to accept ourselves. And then you add this layer of like dating and social media of intense stress and anxiety of like making sure you get likes on Instagram. So, 
there's just so many layers to it. And I can say that the first layer that I ever experienced was just to be totally frank and honest was you will get more love, attention, and acceptance if you look a certain way. And I think I experienced that on the positive side, to be totally frank, where mm-hmm. I, I could see it um, where I was like, cool, people like me more. If I post this photo, I will like get more attention or people will comment more. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't even just about social media. It was about in person too, about like, oh, cool, you'll be in these social circles. And it's like, it goes so far beyond the dating apps to it's like really a level of status of like, if you are looking a certain way, obviously in turn eating a certain way, um, you know, your ability to find worth and love is, is greater. And I think that's the, the biggest like overarching danger that, that I experienced was like, that's an addicting cycle, right? Oh, like yeah. you, you get the likes, you get acceptance, you tell people that people tell you you're hot or beautiful or whatever. Mm-hmm. And again, not say like I was getting this rampantly. I, I don't want to say it like that, but experiencing the, the, the benefit side of it made me, I think, realize just how dangerous and addicting and, and continuing that would be. Yeah. And I, well, I think that's, I mean, whether you're gay, straight, whatever you are, like external validation from others. So what I'm kind of hearing you say just really like fuels the fire. And that's where with our clients, and I know Jenny, you'll agree, if they've came from diet after diet after diet, they'll say, you know, that diet worked for me. And they're right. talking about like a short-term weight loss when they were maybe getting a ton of compliments or getting, mm-hmm. you know, looked at or like gawked over. Mm-hmm. And then and then they think like that equals lifelong happiness, love, worth. But right. we, you know, I think it's important to know, like I hear exactly what you're saying. I think it's important to, to get across that like it doesn't mean that you will be loved more or you might get more attention and external validation, but that doesn't mean that the, the love is like, or worth is tied into that fully. Yeah. And the second layer of that, I think that's important to at least distinguish for Um, people who might not be in the LGBTQ community is like, I think queer people in general, which is just like a generic term to refer to everyone in that community, um, generally sometimes try to prove heteronormativity. So what I mean by that is generally heterosexual people are more accepted in general. So um, a lot of our, uh, you know, presenting the perfect body or with gay men the obsession with muscles and being ripped and everything is about shame and internalized homophobia so like even as an out gay person i can have really negative thoughts about what being stereotypically or or like gay looking sounding feeling is like so we're trying to project this like super masculine behavior like lifting weights or being buff because okay that's another way for me to be accepted by more and more people um and I think that was the other layer that I started to realize as I was still like working out after college and stuff it was more it wasn't about like oh I'm doing this for health or like I don't care about my blood pressure or anything like that it was like yo how many abs do you have in the year and do I look like these people that I'm seeing, you know, get all the attention on social media. It's so interesting to hear this in so many ways. And I, I think I've shared this before that I am like starting my true intuitive eating journey. So I've started taking the courses and, um, or classes and Evelyn Triboli who created or partially created the, what would you call it? The trademark, Sam? Um, yeah, like the certification and the training. certification. So she essentially called it's intuitive eating a journey of discovery. I have my notes right here. And she says like, basically the purpose of this self-care eating framework is to increase life satisfaction. And what I'm hearing you say, is just so parallel. Like we're all recognizing that we were hiding behind shame because of learned behaviors and attention that we received in our darkest of days. Right. And when we didn't feel the most confident in ourselves. And when we're finally stepping into 
what we believe and know to be true and prioritizing our health and happiness, like the life satisfaction increases. But I guess my question to pose this as a question would be, you know, why do you think, and this is a super loaded question, so maybe we shouldn't ask it, but why do we think that so many people, even though there's so many platforms talking about this now, right? And talking about equality and promoting diversity and all of these things, why are we still all trying to conform to be one stereotype of who we are? I think at least for, um, for me, it's like the voices that are loudest are not saying that, those things. Mm. Um, I think as and an Jillian example, <laughs> as an, ex- as an example, yeah, Jillian Michaels, there you go. Stupid idiot. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, I still haven't watched the video. We I don't, <laughs> we don't need to give her any more time. I don't know if you guys know, and the reason I said that as an example is I don't know if you guys know or have watched the show Queer Eye on Netflix, but the new one obsessed. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and um, and I think the definition of like having a platform, right? I think about this all the time. So the other day, and this is what kind of fueled my excitement for coming on here was um, one of the guys on that show, his name is Anthony Porofsky. He is a very handsome man um, who is like the chef who like makes guac and that's about it. But um, he essentially, he is now an influencer. That's what he is. He, he, he has a platform. I think he has like 6 million Instagram followers. I would probably say 5.5 million of those are probably gay men of all shapes, of all sizes. The other day he posted a photo, him and his boyfriend on the edge of a pool they probably have 1.2% body fat, each of them with massive muscles. And the caption of the photo was like, we can't stop eating fudge or something like that. And I was like, I was so mad. You can ask my fiance. Cause I was just like, this is what does it. The voices of the powerful voices like you two, or those voices who are trying to change the conversation who have unlearned those things, someone like that, they have 6 million people reading that and saying, oh, like if I could just look like that, like, oh, and I can eat fudge while doing it. Like, oh, what, how did they get there? So I think it's how do we have the right people amplifying those voices? So the louder voices are the ones dealing with the unlearned behaviors, peeling back the layers versus how dangerous is someone like that with such a platform coming on? I mean, I think about dangerous platforms, our own president, all that good stuff, but like of who has influence, right? Who's listening to you? And a lot of times someone could be following that guy and he could be a 15 year old kid who's struggling with something like that. And he goes, well, he has 6 million followers and everyone loves him and he has abs and super huge muscles. So I think that's where it all starts from. Yes. You are so right. <laughs> yes. And I think that, I mean, I know Jenna and I can relate and, and I'm, I don't want to keep like giving analogies, but I feel like the, that's what You're I'm thinking about. Them, keep going. <laughs> well, well, I was just going to say like how, so Derek, that, that conversation, right. Of like, okay, he's a, a gay man looking a certain way. People are, you know, wanting to be like that if they're a 15 year old person looking up to him. And then that same thing comes for dietitians is we are mostly thin privileged white women and so if you're you know have a big platform as a thin privileged white woman and all you're showing is thin privileged white women and all you're doing is telling them to eat a certain amount of calories and you'll look like me then like that that's so problematic and it's so harmful and so yeah. exactly like you said i think that's such it that hits the nail on the head for anything, whether it's sexuality, whether it's body, whether it, you know, whatever it is, like we have to have people on these platforms that, you know, are black, transgender, you know, gay, whatever it is that have dealt with the shame and the oppression so much more than we have. And it's so important. I think in the day and age we are in, in 2020, it's just like, visual representation too um, is so huge. Everything is visual. You're going to see it often. And the body dysmorphia and body dissatisfaction that you're talking about is not limited to one certain gender identity or sexual orientation. It is every single one in different ways, definitely Mm -hmm. in different ways. But I think that's what in, in seeing this, seeing your research, seeing the things you post and everything, it's just like this connects with everyone across the spectrum 
in different ways and in different impacts, but not one is greater than the other. It's just what is the true layer there that's that, that's affecting this specific you know part of the spectrum. So I think that that's more important to just show all those voices and bodies and um, you know maybe drown out the other voices that are <laughs> too loud. While you say that, can you share the stat that you shared with Sam and I went before we started recording about? Um, the prevalences of eating disorders in the gay community? Yeah, I just find it fascinating because it is. <laughs> a lot, I think a lot of people are like, well, yeah, there's not that many gay people. Um, so, gay men in particular make up like seven to eight percent on any given day of our population. But of the population in general that has an eating disorder or identifies as having an eating disorder, 42% of those are gay men. It is it, and again, don't want to be tone deaf for the current climate. It is an epidemic <laughs> happening <laughs> that um, it is just so rampant. Um, and I think one of the things I'm passionate about is there's there's so many of the fitness influencers and people who are spreading the the negative messages or every single picture they have on their feed is like some pose naked photo but there's not enough voices in this 42% stat that are saying we need to stop this. And I guess I think it's also important to have more voices who, who may look closer to the norm or the standard, I'll call it, who are calling other people out for this mm -hmm. stuff. It yes. can't just be the ones struggling the most yes. with these issues to be the ones speaking up about it because those voices aren't going to be loud enough. It needs to be like the people who are near that pulling other people up to say like, no, 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 you don't represent the 42% of us or whatever. Like that is not the representation that we're looking for. Um, Cause I think that's the only way like a real change would actually happen. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know that statistic. And I mean, we talk about eating disorders all the time and it's not, it's that statistic's not out there in a way that it needs to be, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Or even when you look at treatment centers, I forget yeah. there was a dietitian the other day. Um, I can't remember who posted it. I'll have to look it up, but she was posting like all of the inpatient facilities like in the nation and like how many of them are like women only, like they only take like you know, like, which is like ridiculous. Like when you just think of the lack of resources and, um, what I think Ed Sheeran just put, didn't he just post something yeah. about his eating disorder as well? So like just men and because it's looked at as a white woman's, you know, um, disorder, Trouble. but yeah, but there's, it, it affects everyone. Everyone has a body. Everyone lives in this fat phobic world. So it's yeah. in our last episode, we just released with Aaron Flores on like, what is fat phobia and where does that come from? Like if anyone's yeah. listening here, like that's a great one to, to go re-listen to. But when we live in this fat phobic world, it makes you look in a mirror and say, should I lose weight? You know, Am yeah. I going to be more loved? Am I going to be more accepted? When we know that that is not going to bring love or acceptance, but unfortunately it's, it's so rampant. It also trickles down, I think, even maybe another layer of it because same-sex relationships, um, like for, for me in the most common, like dumbed down sense, it's like if I am desiring a partner with abs and a chest and I am looking through my feed and it looks like this, no wonder the person next to you is going to want that as well. Cause they're going to think, Oh, they want that. Like I need to look like that. So it's mm -hmm. like another layer of like, other than general heterosexual relationships where you're like comparing it to your girlfriend or your husband's looking at his friends, whatever. It's even like more ingrained cause it's, uh, it's, it's what you both obsess about in the same sense. Mm -hmm. So you're even connecting with it on that level. And I think, when we talk about, like you said, those voices when we need to talk about fat phobia or just internalized homophobia, the issue is, is those people who are on social are like the reward and the clout and even the money they get from doing things like that are far more than an Anthony talking about body dysmorphia and his struggle with his accepting himself. Like it's just he's not going to get as much attention. I don't know how to tackle that problem. I'm happy. Your to TED talk. You two are trying. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but I, but I commend you because it could easily become something where you're like, yeah, how do I just benefit myself? But what message does that spread? It just adds to the, to the problem. It's interesting because there's a topic that I'm going to cover soon on a, an episode where this very thin white privileged woman's diet that has been kind of exposed recently in the media is kind of coming out as how damaging it is. Um, and I think that exactly what you just said, that it turns into a business at some point where people start profiting off of it and it, it ruins the heart of the the purpose maybe it would be the right way to say it and it becomes really deadly and that's what people start to see because that picks up in voice because it's being flaunted in glitter right like right. the guy is sitting on a pool eating fudge i can't get that out of my head now it's the same parallel and these are the voices the jillian michaels the f-factor diets the all of these things that people are looking at and are thinking if i look like that i can have this too and you're so right in so many ways um the only thing that we haven't like just shared yet too is i want to go over that stat about the trans community as well because i can't stop thinking about it um yeah. and sam shared an article with me this morning just about the same prevalence within the trans community specifically. And basically a Teen Vogue article stated that one thing is certain, that transgender youth are using restrictive eating in an attempt to control and manipulate their physical appearance in an effort to attain cisgendered Western ideals that even most cisgendered people can't attain. And that's a 2016 statistic or article. Um, and it's just insane when you think about that. It's crazy too, because I think transgender people deal with a different layer than even gay people do where it's um having to like you said the word manipulate your body and it's all about acceptance of societal norms of whatever gender that may be so they have to deal with another layer of not just being like attractive by societal norms but you look at who is accepted in our society as a trans as a trans person it's the ones who have nailed the look and have nailed the, you know, female to male, male to female look exactly the way it absolutely should be and are presenting those, you know, binary standards of uh, masculinity, femininity, the way that they want to. And I think that's what leads to the dangerous um, manipulation. I'm sure like pills, drugs, things that, um, you know, just absolutely are mentally but physically just completely harmful. And if that stats from 2016, I can't even imagine yeah. what it is in 2020. And not to mention the nutrition support that's needed when you're taking hormones and undergoing, you know, surgery. I mean, there's just not enough talk about how to support that better in yeah. my opinion or maybe i'm not looking for it in the right places so if anyone listening has some great advice or yeah. resources to share please do well i think that's definitely you know an area that we've talked about as just continuing to be inclusive like we need to get the voices of transgender people on this podcast and so we can learn from them because it's just it's continuously like you had said earlier, Derek, it's all about unlearning like societal norms, whatever the hell that means. And just, it's just listening to people. Like at the end of the day, like, why can't we all just shut the fuck up and listen <laughs> to people? Like, like listen to people. Like you don't, like if someone says something you don't need, like about them and their truth, like we don't need to be like, no, that's not right. Like, no, like just listen. Like, I think too, one thing that I actually have learned well from you, Sam, is um, I love the phrase like, you can, you can police your own online activity, but you can't police others. So like mm. the shit that they're doing, like, okay, keep doing it. But like, there's an algorithm for a reason. There's an unfollow button for a reason. It is on your responsibility as a person to peel back those layers and control what you are viewing and flooding your feed with. And I feel very, like, I used to be someone who was just like, well, that's the way it is. It benefits me. So whatever. And same thing. And I was like, no, this is on me. Like, I don't have to keep following these thoughty, insta-gay people. Like, it just is so dangerous. So we need to have the responsibility, again, to unlearn those things and find those voices to amplify because as probably three people who have benefited from 
the way we look and our natural, you know, ability to present in a certain way. Um, I think that's what over the years I've felt more strongly about is like the responsibility piece. Yeah. No, for sure. And I, that's something Jen and I are both, again, I don't want to speak for you, Jenna, but that was, oh, go ahead. <laughs> that, that was one of the things, you know, as, as I transitioned from diet culture into intuitive eating, I have many mentors that I, we've had on the show, Haley Goodrich, Fiona Sutherland, that would, uh, Anna Sweeney that have kindly called me out and said like, you can't keep putting your body all over your page. Even if your intention is not to say like, shrink it or look like me when your followers are so insecure and have so many issues around body and food, they're going to see your thin white body and think like, even if that's not what the post is about, that's what they're looking at. And it, it takes a lot of unlearning because again, as someone who has so much privilege and that's where there's such a this is where I, I get really angry because you can kind, you can kindly call someone out and they'll just be like, no, it's fine. And like, and keep doing it. And, but again, like once you know how much harm you're causing, like, of course your face can be on your, you know, your page and like, and you don't have to like completely like only have like quotes, but, um, but at the same time, it, it's just, again, being like, we've, this has been kind of the theme of like being curious of how, are what we're putting out into the world how is it affecting other people and if everyone could check that like for themselves like this world could look really really different yeah um, i mean they're not shooting all of our horns and saying like we're perfect <laughs> we're we make a lot our, of mistakes and i oh, will continue I, to do so i still do it daily i mean the guilt of just i gotta get a workout in because otherwise like oh god what if, what if you know God forbid what would happen if I didn't get the workout in or eat something poor and you still get those like unhealthy feelings that I did a long time ago. But like you said, it's like no one gives a crap about the caption about fudge if all they're looking at is like some body by the pool, like dripping in water. And you're just like, oh, that's within reach. Obviously, I could be that. And that's, I think, where it's like, okay, how much do we have to unpack here? Like, let's get into it, but you got to do the work. Yes. Such a misrepresentation of each community that we're speaking of too, you know? Like when we talk about these people that have the most power over the voice of our communities, you know, it's just such a misrepresentation of who we all are. Yeah. How, many, how many things can be, I mean, like, I mean, you guys both know this, but it's like bodies are different and genetics and how many things play into it. I mean, how many times do you see people online be like, what's your workout routine? It's like, you can do the same workout routine for three months. And guess what, honey, you ain't not going to look like that. And I think that was my biggest problem after college was like, Oh, cool. What's the equation? Like, let's just keep doing this. But there's so much more. And I love the, the tie to the, the responsibility piece and the mental health side of it. It's like, what's your worth? What are you worth sacrificing? What's the life you want to live? Like, yeah. I was, wouldn't you love to be inside Sammy's DMs with people probably still asking her about like diet questions and workouts? Cause I can only imagine because they still ask me those questions in the request and I just leave them. Like, do you think low carb works for me? And I'm like, have you seen my profile? <laughs> like, like, have you read any of this? Anything? I, I was probably the one in Sammy's DMs like two years ago, but I will say I have you know, gone. Now I send her shit from like influencers and I'm yes. like, can you talk about this yeah <laughs> no he'll always send me like the pop culture diet culture stuff that i never see because i'm like so out of the She's loop and it. <laughs> i just but no but that's like great because i need to cover it but so <laughs> this has been amazing and i want to like oh, keep talking forever i love but... you derek can you tell <laughs> i love wow. talking to you <laughs> that needs to be with wine yes <laughs> we'll Give do me, like, like a... five more months <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. So we always like end our episodes with a, a tipsy of the day kind of thing. So I would love to hear from you, Derek, of like, if anybody in the, I would say LGBTQ community listening to this or someone who maybe hasn't come out yet, what would be like your number one thing you want them to know or get away from this episode? Oh, God. He's <laughs> like, why are you putting me on I the always, spot right I now? always ask <laughs> I always ask this question to people, if they had a billboard in New York City, what would you want it to say? Or in Times Square, what would you want to say? Um, I would say like, 
you you have to love yourself before like no one else is going to love you until you love yourself and i think again there's so many layers to that and that's such a loaded like loaded generic thing but i think until i started to even from the body all the way to the show tunes of just loving who i was i don't think i have been happy until that point um and no online clout or anything is worth it until you're at that point again you said it before sammy we don't have it i don't have it perfect and i have my struggles and my days where it's not not there but um i think you have to you have to love yourself before any of that falls into place not that that wasn't like so beautiful but i just need to know what your favorite song to sing is like what is the show tune of choice tell me honestly i sing a mean don't rain on my parade by <laughs> and like i will never put that online but like if you want a little preview like we'll talk always always because in my home we belt out um waving through the window from dear evan hansen yes all day long <laughs> i'm hanging out with the wrong people <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like rapping like the Savage remix in my kitchen and Luke is like, shut up, like just stop. But so there's that. I can see it. I see all of it. Oh, I can do it. Oh my God. Well, thank you for being here, Derek. But before we sign off, tell anybody that's listening, that's like, they want to reach out to you or they just want to hear more about your story. Where's the best way that they can find you? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you'll link my Instagram handle, um, probably too addicted to Instagram, but um, email is just first and last name, DerekShell3 at Gmail, but at DShell4 um, for all social. So love, love to connect and continue this conversation with whoever, whoever would like to. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. You're the best. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.